Hello, ladies, and welcome to Looking Up. This is a podcast for Christian women, and we're so glad that you've joined us, and we are encouraged by you and letting us know how you feel about things, and we're wanting to encourage your days and give you some good things to think about and always point you to God and to remind you to keep looking up. So that's what our goal is, and I'm here with my friend Kathy Pollard. She's my co-host, and my name is Carla Moore, by the way. And we just want to do a little chatting first, and then we're going to talk about a, a interesting subject today. So what have you got going on today, Kathy? Um, well, I'm looking forward to chatting with you. I'm looking forward to this topic. I think it's going to be a fun one to talk about when we get to that point. But um, we're coming into just another glorious sunny weekend and lots of fun things planned in the garden and projects and um, some things going on with various church members that we're going to visit. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a good weekend. How about you? What are your temperatures there? Uh, like what's your high and low? Like right now? It, mm-hmm. I mean, not, I, it's not actually, exact. yeah, I don't know right now. It's at, we had some really, really hot days a few days ago. It was hitting the nineties. And mm-hmm. then yesterday felt like a fall day. It was overcast and sprinkly and temperature dropped way down. So now it's perfect. We've yeah. just got that kind of hangover coolness a little bit and sunshine. So it's just right. I saw, I saw a little meme the other day that said, you Texas, new people to Texas, we are just preheating. And thought, <laughs> yes, yeah, we are preheating because it, I mean, right yeah. now it's like, it's, it's 80, which is great Texas wise, but it's supposed to be high nineties and even in the hundreds next week. And mm, 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 so, yeah, it's coming, but I'd rather be hot than cold. Oh, me too. Yeah, we are kindred spirits when it mm-hmm. comes to that. We have Bible camp starting this upcoming week. And last year, it was super hot, almost unhealthy hot. You know, kids yeah. getting overheated outside. And that's when, because I was at camp and Neil was home, he had to get up extra early to water all the plants before the mm-hmm. sun came up. He was at watering at 530 in the morning because it was so hot. Because the water would but, evaporate. Yes. But this year... um, I thought we were going to have another week like that, but it's, it's showing that we're going to have cooler temps and cool mornings. And so it'll be just right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm accustomed to the heat. It's, it doesn't bother me too much, but when you get in the car after it's been parked oh, in the sun, yes. now, now a, a good parking spot at the grocery store is not the one at the front. It's one under a tree. So mm-hmm. everyone's fighting for spots under the trees, but what do you got yeah. planting? You got things coming up now? Oh, tons. growing. Yeah. Yeah. We're, um, we're eating lots of green beans these days and our tomatoes, we got tomatoes coming in. They're not ripe yet, but you know, they're on the mm-hmm. vine and, yeah. uh, lots of things blooming out there. So it's, it's, this so exciting. I just walk around in the mornings, Neil and I like to walk out there with a basket and it just makes mm-hmm. us feel good. And yeah. since I brought up camp before mm-hmm. we forget, I want to go ahead and mention that we're going to take a little break. We're going to take two weeks off from the podcast. And, um, I think we've decided we'll do it these two weeks and then two weeks at the end of the year. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'd have so, two seasons a year. Yes. Yeah, so we'll have two seasons. So when we come back in two weeks, we'll start episode one of season two and that sounds um, so official. Yes. And what we would like to do ladies who are listening is ask you to submit some questions for us for our first episode of season two. So, Anything that you would listen, (laughs) (laughs) let me, let me uh, clarify here. I'm not saying ask questions because we have all the answers. No, sir. And Um, not hard questions. either. And not, yeah, but just 
things that you might like for us to talk about or address. We're going to take all of your questions um, that we have time for or that we want to talk about. Um, so what's on your mind? What would you like to hear from us? Submit those questions. You've got two weeks to do that. And I think that'll be fun, don't you? I think it will, depending on what kind of questions we get. Makes me a well, little bit nervous. Well, if we don't like it, we'll just throw it out. Okay. Pretend like we didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretend like we ran out of time. Or, well, or that's all for to today. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry. We've been on for 20 minutes. That's right. Somebody might like that as opposed to an hour and a half or two hours. Yeah. Well, that'll be yeah. fun. So mm -hmm. they, they need to message or email you or me with questions or they suggestions can do that. or something. Yeah, that's a good idea. Cause I don't guess we want them to put it in the group, huh? Right. Yeah. I think message, can see it. message either one of us and we'll, yeah. we'll share them together. Mm -hmm. We can share our email in the group. I'll post about it and share our emails and mm -hmm. the reminders. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So don't ask us any hard questions. <laughs> Ask Carla hard right. questions. <laughs> no, address those to Kathleen J. Pollard. That'll be great. <laughs> What'd you do so, this past week? Well, let's see. We we got our bikes out again. That was fun. Oh, good. This is the first time this year. You know, we mm -hmm. we biked all over the place in Denver last fall, and then we packed them up and brought them home. We biked a little bit when we got back here in Texas, but then when we went back to Denver, we took the bikes with us, which was pretty optimistic considering there's ice and snow everywhere. Yeah. Even when the snow melts, you know, there's still ice on the ground. So mm -hmm. we didn't even use them when we went back to Denver and brought them home. And the, uh, the tires have been off because we had to take the front tires off to pack them in the trailer. So John put them back on and I've uh, been asking when we're going to go bike somewhere. It's just not as pretty here, but, mm -hmm. and there's not the trails. There's so many trails all over Denver, but we found a, um, a subdivision that's still being built. So there's no traffic. There's just a bunch of houses being built and it's attached to, or they're building a road that's connecting it behind the high school, which has some areas that we can ride around. Okay. So we took the bikes out and I was a little bit worried that I would kind of not forget. I don't know. It, it's just something about, you know, there's that saying that it's like riding a bike. You'll never forget how to ride a bike. Mm -hmm. but you know, what you're at my age, it's just, I don't want to lose that desire to do those physical things. And I just think biking is so much fun. You feel the, the breeze and you can mm -hmm. think and you're doing it together, but yet at the same time, you have, you have your own mental space where you can think about things and you can pray and, and just consider mm -hmm. stuff. So we took the bikes out. That was one of the things we did and that was fun. And, um, I wanted to tell you about something really, really neat. Okay. And this was that when, when John's parents were under hospice care and, you know, hospice sometimes doesn't mean that death is imminent. It just means that there are uh, things that are made available to you that you mm -hmm. can't ordinarily otherwise easily get okay. medicines or equipment or just support for the family. Mm -hmm. So John's parents were under hospice for a while in 2020. John's dad died in May of 2020. And then his mom passed in October of that same year. But for a few months before she died, we had a caregiver for her that came, I want to say for several hours every day. And her name's Destiny. And she's a young woman. She's probably in her late twenties, I want to say maybe 30. And uh, Janice was not super excited about it. You know, she, and I understand someone that you don't know coming into your house, kind of poking around, you know, cleaning up 
things that Mm -hmm. I tend to be more private about that myself Mm -hmm. and taking your blood pressure, giving your medicine and destiny would clean up, you know, just uh, sweep and mop and and they would get to talking. And Janice was very, I mean, she was shy. She was Mm -hmm. as shy of a a woman as I've ever known, but they got to be friends. And here's my mother-in-law who's around 80 years old and destiny who's in her late twenties. And there were several things going on in her life that destiny told Janice about. And, and I won't, you know, spill the beans on that, but Janice, I've never known her to be someone that would say you shouldn't do that, or you need to do this or whatever, but apparently she did. She told destiny some things that she needed to, Hmm. to do better in her life. And of course our family, we were around her because we'd go up and we'd be, uh, we'd see her and joke with her and eat with her. And we all just fell in love with her. And she was just a lot of fun to be with. And Janice in her in her own way, started talking to her about the Lord and just started saying, you know what your life needs, you need the Lord. And I don't know exactly how she said it because I wasn't mm-hmm. there when she was doing it. But after Janice died in October, we stayed in touch with Destiny in, in different ways. And she lived in Austin. She's, I believe she's originally from Arizona. But we asked her if she wanted to study and she did. And so we did quite a few times back that fall and early spring of 21. Of course, this was during COVID. And Mm -hmm. so um, it was kind of hard to know where to point her as far as uh, worship service, because things were just really up in the air at that time. And anyway, so that's been two and a half years ago and we've kept in touch. We haven't seen her very often, but Anytime we're back in in Austin, we will let her know we're here and we'll get together. We'll have coffee and, and we've studied. And then we put her into contact with, um, with some of the people over at the Southwest congregation in Austin, because she lives real close there. And she started studying with John Garza for a while. And, and it was kind of, you know, one of those up and down things that we'd hear mm-hmm. from her and, and she'd reach out, we'd reach out and she, it was evident that she was studying. She's very smart. And, and we knew, and she would say that she just, she was proud of herself for getting out of situations that were, you know, heading her in the wrong direction, whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, so the last time we saw her, I want to say was um, this is June. So we probably saw her in November or December. And we've, talked to her a couple of times. We haven't seen her since November, December, but I got a text um, a couple of weeks ago from Destiny and she had a new phone number and she said, Hey, I just met, I went to Bible study tonight. It was Wednesday night and I met Laura Lee and Shelby. And they said they had just seen you. It was just right after focal point. And I had seen them there at focal point. And just want to let you know that, that they were really neat and I enjoyed being with them. And so that was like three weeks ago. And then about a week later, John got a text from Trent Kennedy and he said, just want to let you know that it's, it's a Shelby Polk and Laura Lee Simmons and Laura Lee's from Katie. So she's babysat my grandkids and, and Jordan and Aaron know her really well. And Shelby, I, I want to say went to college with Micah, but they had been studying with her and she obeyed the gospel. She was baptized and That's sent wonderful. us a picture and oh. just the whole, the, the whole thing of, of Janice you know, Mm -hmm. if she knew the seeds that she had planted Mm -hmm. and, 
she would just be dancing around. She would just be so excited. And, uh, and I'm so excited for destiny and I haven't Maybe been able to is. see her. Yeah. You know, who knows? I don't, I don't know what the whole <laughs> scene looks like, but it was just, I'm so thankful for Shelby and Laura Lee for taking an interest in her and, and befriending her because, you know, I think she needed some young women to, to re- more relate to. Mm-hmm. And, and not that we, John and I can't, because Micah and Courtney, they they were with her several times too. But I just think it was really good for Destiny to see some young women who are active in their faith and and convicted in what they believed. So that's the best news we've had all week. That is the best news. And I wish that I had gone first. No, did you have a similar story? No, I have nothing oh. like that. So oh. all my stuff's gonna seem after your oh. story. <laughs> but so many great things about that story. You know, I was just thinking about Janice being in hospice. Yeah. Hospice. And don't ever think that your circumstances can prevent you from shining the light, mm-hmm. you know, and your personality, and, if you're shy, you know, yeah. I mean, all the excuses that we could throw out there mm-hmm. and she just yeah. nipped all of them in the bud and, you know, maybe had no idea that the little things that she said and yeah. Her influence on this young woman would mm-hmm. years later make a life changing impact on yeah. her, you know, and also the just you mentioned this last week, but all hands on deck, you know, mm-hmm. helping with the soul and converting the soul. Everybody's everybody's effort yeah. makes a difference. And sometimes we don't know that because we don't see the end result mm-hmm. and we don't think much of it. But what a great story. Yeah. She, she happened to be with Janice when, when Janice had the stroke that ultimately ended her life. And mm-hmm. of course we were in Denver at the time. And I remember her calling and she, Janice was still conscious, but she couldn't talk. And mm-hmm. anyway, it was just comforting to know because they loved each other. It's such an unlikely friendship, you know, this yeah. late twenties, young girl who, you know, pretty worldly by mm-hmm. worldly standards and my sweet little shy, private, (laughs) easily embarrassed, sweet mother-in-law and they Mm -hmm. became friends. And yeah, I mean, I just think you think of of Esther and the story and and what Mordecai told Esther about who knows that you are at this time for such, for such a time as this, I always butcher Mm -hmm. that, that quote, but you know what I'm saying? And who knows if God put destiny in Janice's path because of that, he knew that that she would say the right things that destiny needed to hear. So anyway, it was just a a great story. That is a great story. I love that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and Janice had no idea that the time that she had with her, Mm -hmm. you know, overall, how much time was it? Probably. Um, Probably six or eight months, not very long because um, I think she was around a little bit before Grady died, but not a whole lot. So mm-hmm. six or eight months, something like that. Yeah. And maybe sometimes we think that too, the people that come in and out of our lives, we don't really see as souls maybe as mm-hmm. we should, because it's just a brief encounter or a right. brief connection. Yeah. Mm, that's Which, so you know, the, the Bear Valley slogan for a while, I don't know. I mean, think souls, mm-hmm. they still say th- the little, have the little pins that say think mm-hmm. souls. But I think that that was more during your era that y'all, did you have a campaign or something about that? I don't even remember. I don't remember. I got the sticker on my laptop though. Yeah. Yeah. I know (laughs) that that's just because everywhere you go, you need to think about people, no matter Mm -hmm. how 
this is something that I've thought several times, how we look at someone and think they wouldn't be interested because of the way they live or because mm-hmm. of the way they talk or because of the way they dress, whatever we think they're, they don't have spiritual thoughts. They're just not mm-hmm. interested. And that's not our call to make at all. You know, we're just yeah. the ones that need to plant the seeds and let God make that, uh, mm-hmm. let him grow it, let, let him be the judge and not us. So uh, yeah, it is uh, something that we need to always remember. Well, I will be praying for destiny mm-hmm. and listeners. Um, we'd love for you to join us in that prayer and pray yeah. for this new, our new Christian sister mm-hmm. and thank God for Janice and her influence first planting that seed and, um, and then pray for her growth and her walk in Christian living. So yeah, great way to start you. off today's podcast episode. Yeah. I also wanted to share something that I got in the mail from, uh, a sister, she's been with us to Israel twice. Her name's Evelyn Alexander. And Mm -hmm. to know her is to love her. She's just the sweetest thing, but she sent me this neat little card. It's just a little three by five or four by six card that she hand copied this quote that she thought of us when she read it in Hmm. Smithsonian magazine. And I looked at the article and it's an article about, um, Anne Frank's friend. I can't remember the title of it. I'll link it and post it in the group. But it's about their, they were childhood friends before everything happened with, um, mm-hmm. with the war and the Holocaust. And uh, so it's, she wrote that it's from Hannah and Anne, but I want to say that the article is entitled something like what, what uh, the friendship of Hannah and Anne, something like that. Okay. But this is part of the article. She said, reminded her of us. She, she quoted this. We were living in modern times. Yes but also followed the lunar Jewish calendar rooted in, rooted in the ancient accounting of the seasons. We marked every holiday with its accompanying foods and traditions. In the narrow garden space behind our apartment block, we built a makeshift, makeshift shelter each autumn to mark the week-long holiday Sukkot. We are instructed to have our meals there during the holiday as a way to remember we were once a people wandering in the Sinai desert. So they're talking about the Feast of Booths. Uh, my father would tell us to look through the branches covering the sukkah so we could see the stars. Look up, he told us. This is how we remember that as challenging and frightening moments in life can be, just as the children of Israel found their way through the wilderness with God's help, so will we. Hmm. And I just thought it was sweet because she took That's the time to write sweet. that down and, and it reminded her of us because of our huh. looking up. Yeah. And cool. I'm, I'm going to go back and read that article. It just, it, it's fascinating to me that all of the the stories from the Holocaust, uh, mm-hmm. maybe fascinating is not the right word, horrified and fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. But um, John and his brother visited Anne Frank's house in Amsterdam. I've been there at some point. Have you? Mm-hmm. So what all can you see there? <clears throat> um, it's just, it's very small. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been several years. I really don't remember that much about it. You just walk through and you can see where she hid and mm-hmm. Um, where they stayed and only a few people can really go up in at a time and it's up in the attic you know. mm-hmm. mm. yeah. I just feel like we'd have no idea what what life is like mm-hmm. for yeah. those people that had to very, hide very sobering it is mm-hmm. well do you have anything you want to cover before we start our topic yeah I just wanted to share a couple of things I went to the homestead festival oh that's right that looked yeah. like so much fun it was amazing it was Friday and Saturday in Columbia, Tennessee at Rory Feek's farm. He has this huge farm and um, 
he set up this big grand stage because they had performers at night, Rory Feek and, and Colin Ray and some others. And, um, and then all of these big tents with, I mean, there were thousands, there were over 5,000 people there both days. And this is only the second year that they've had it. Mm-hmm. But um, thousands of chairs set up under all these different tents where you can go and hear different speakers. And most of the speakers are people that are well-known names in the homesteading world, mm-hmm. you know, people that I follow. And so we got to go. You can pick. It's kind of like homestead version of PTP. You know, you can yeah. you have a little schedule and you can pick who you want to go here on speaking on what topic. And mm-hmm. so we learned a ton and we're about to get a dairy cow. So we went to talks specifically about that. And, um, and then they also have a bunch of people from their farms and homesteads set up their booths with all their wares and, um, you know, home goods and honey and Mm -hmm. roasted coffee. And um, I got some flour that's, um, I don't know if you say zero, zero or OO, but it's that special flour that's used to make Italian pasta. Oh yeah, that can be hard to find. So I got some of that, and um, well, I got a bunch. Of stuff. I got this bread knife. Um, have you seen the bread knives that have the really arched uh, blade for cutting like artisan breads? And they have um, it almost looks like a saw. It has mm-hmm. a big wooden arch arch over it, uh-huh. and then the blade, and then, then the, the handle. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I've seen those before, and they're usually pretty pricey. Mm-hmm. And um, but we found some there that were handmade. And they were, they were very nice. They were reasonably priced. And I used it for the first time yesterday and it cut that loaf of bread like it was butter. I mean, it was amazing. You'd like turn it kind of sideways so that that the arch over the blade is what determines the size of your slice. Is that what that's for? No, it doesn't. If you did that, they'd be too big because there's about this much space. There's about, if you can't, if you're just listening, there's about two inches, two or three inches between the blade and the wooden part. So no, it's not that way, but, um, we got that and, uh, it was just so good because, um, one of my favorite things that was an unexpected takeaway is that it seems like the world is going crazy. You would think that based on everything that we hear all the time and see all the time, what's this world coming to, what's our society coming to with all these crazy things happening. And, and it seems like the things that we heard all weekend at the Homestead Festival were just common sense. They were God centered. Every speaker that we listened to mentioned God and his way and his path. And, and, um, you know, just like-minded people. It wasn't a, it wasn't a Christian event, but just good down to earth, decent people and thousands of them. And you just, and everybody's real nice to everybody. You just look around and go, okay, the whole world isn't going crazy. Right. You know, that's just what we hear about. Mm-hmm. It's what <laughs> so, the media wants us to, to think. Yeah. They had this special there where if you bought next year's tickets during the festival, it'd be half price. And I was hoping Neil would enjoy it. And he loved it. So we've already bought our tickets for next year. Already looking mm-hmm. forward to that. So, And then the other thing I wanted to share is um, I got to spend some time with my sister this yeah. week. She invited yeah. me over. We thought we'd be doing that way more. You know, they moved into the area. Mm-hmm. They officially moved into their house at the end of December. Yeah. And I'm envisioning us getting together like every other day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or at least life. one. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And we really haven't spent a lot of time together at all. So yeah. she invited me over and we did yoga. 
together. And then she served this beautiful brunch outside. She has this beautiful patio with flowers and herbs and bird feeders and a really lovely backyard. And um, it was like, we visited and we, she made this iced coffee drink. And then we did Bible marking together. We were Bible mark color coding keywords in revelation. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was my first time breaking out the Prismacolor pencils that you gave me for my birthday and I brought them there and Christy and I both used them and it was so funny because they kind of look like an ordinary colored pencil yeah and but the first we both did the same thing the first time we started coloring in Mm -hmm. a word we both went oh (laughs) (laughs) oh oh I mean it just the color saturation is amazing it just goes on so smooth you don't have to press it really is Mm -hmm. and I had said when we talked about this on the podcast that I like the Crayola Twistables because you don't have to mark very hard and the saturation yeah. is good. Mm-hmm. But these Prismacolor pencils blow those out of the water. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are in the, the shades of the colors. Every time we change shades to do a different word, you know, and we mark it, we go, oh, <laughs> just, we're like, look at this. It's it doesn't so take much to entertain you too, huh? No, that's very true. <laughs> even even among the prisma colors there's some that are that are smoother than others and i don't know why but oh, okay yeah they and that, they're they're a lot of fun they do break a little easier when you sharpen them mm-hmm. i don't know why like like you'll sharpen it and and the lead breaks below where you've sharpened it so mm-hmm. they may i may go yeah, through them a that little is bit faster. A, an advantage of the crayola twistables is you don't have to sharpen right. them you just twist right. them up and that's great so i haven't sharpened any yet because we've just used them that one time but uh there was one color that i loved i think it was almost a navy blue but mm-hmm. it was almost hard to see through uh-huh. the print the bible print through mm-hmm. it i mean i could but it was kind of hard so so you're using it I in just, your Bible or on paper? In my Bible. Okay. We were we were marking the keywords in our Bibles. Yeah. And Revelation has a lot. So I was mm-hmm. grateful for all the extra additional colors yeah. from those sets that you gave me. So I saw was, her. So fun. I saw her post about her new bird feeder that has the yeah. camera on it. That <laughs> is hilarious. Well, she gets notifications on her phone mm-hmm. and um, I think, but her husband changed it to where it's a bird noise, like a chirping noise, because when she would get the phone notification about the birds at first, she didn't know, is there something at the feeder or something yeah. at my front door, uh-huh. you know? So, so she was getting these notifications while we were together and it's just the funnest thing. She's been sharing those videos mm-hmm. on Facebook and it's cracking me up. Well, the squirrel one did, or maybe it's a chipmunk. little chipmunk. Yeah, I think it's a chipmunk. Was, it does look like a chipmunk. That yeah. one was hilarious. <laughs> and it was, yeah, packed with whatever he had. Bird Christy's, Christy's trying to scare him off because you can talk into this speaker. Mm-hmm. This yeah. bird feeder has a speaker. Or you can you bark can, into it. So you can hear, but you can also talk. Yeah, so Christy's trying to scare off this chipmunk. Mm-hmm. And she's going, rough. <laughs> <laughs> Rough, rough, <laughs> rough, rough. I said, uh, I think you're going to have to work on your bark. You need some little more yeah. fierce, you know, yeah. but yeah. So for those of you listening, if you want to follow the live bird feeder saga, check out my sister on Facebook. It's actually Bud Christie Woodall because she 
and her husband mm-hmm. share an account, but she might need a YouTube account with the, well, like you know, a live cam or she, something. It will probably be one of those overnight sensations, I uh-huh. predict, or at least yeah. among old people like myself. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I was quite entertained by it myself. And well, I was I, looking I, at those birds and I thought, who knew they had so much personality, yeah. you know, and, and you can see is, them close up. Yeah. It just looked like it was fake. Like they were fake birds, like animation or something with their little faces and stuff. But anyway, I didn't know we were going to spend that much time talking about that. But (laughs) Well, I know because I brought up the bird feeder, but I was going to tell you something too, that my husband relented about birdhouses because I used to have a bunch of them Uh hanging in the trees right behind our, you know, that bay window in out the dining room. And I just love sitting there and watching birds, Mm -hmm. you know, because I guess that's one of the things we like to do when we get older. Mm-hmm. but he didn't want them pooping all over the deck. So here we go with the poop again, because we finally, <laughs> you know, have this, we, we, I know, boorish and immature, <laughs> but um, our neighbor, Kay Kazire had some of those, they look kind of like shepherd's hooks that you, they're stakes that go oh, in the ground right, and they have right. a hook. Mm-hmm. So she, she had to get some taller ones. And so she had like six of those big iron stakes that were, I don't know, four or five feet tall. And she said, these are yours if you want them, because she had to get bigger ones. So I, I begged and pleaded because I never knew he was going to be such a um, hard, hard <laughs> shell about birds. I mean, bird poop, you can wash it off, just hose it down. But he's like, no, I don't want bird poop on the deck. So anyway, we were able to put some out in the yard a, a little ways, you know, a little further away from the deck. And so we've got, I need to get some new feeders now because my old ones got moldy, I guess, and yeah. beyond repair. So I'm excited to see birds come back again. Well, he softened. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. <clears throat> we have still ours, anti-bird poop. Well, we have ours hanging in a tree. Mm-hmm. We have a tree close to the windows that we can see out in the morning. So we have three hanging in the tree. So you don't have to worry about the bird poop. It just falls down in the, we have mulch around the base of the tree. Yeah. So, just, and although our, dear sweet cat Leon has changed our little bird watching because she's supposed to be out there for mice, moles, voles, things like that. But Mm -hmm. she's decided that she loves to hunt birds. And so sometimes in the morning, she's crouching right there below those feeders. And, you know, she's on the hunt, she's on the prowl. So we're like, Leon, no. Well, that's entertaining on, on, in its own, I guess. Kinda. Yeah. You don't want to watch a bird get killed, but it's fun to watch a cat kind of. Yeah. She's already, she's already, you know, she brings us little gifts Uh and one of them was a bright red cardinal. So I did not ask her to do that. That was very thoughtful of her. (laughs) (laughs) Leon or Leonette that you're. Leon, our female cat. Yeah. Well, so John is watching Livy right now. Mm-hmm. So we need to get so, into our topic. <laughs> so, so <laughs> he said, well, you might want to check in on me every once in a while. And I said, how am I going to check in on you while we're recording a podcast? Anyway. Yeah, so y'all are babysitting a granddaughter and he's babysitting while you're doing, he's taking right. on soul babysitting while you're doing this yeah. with me. And he so, he'll be fine. He yeah. had her last week when I was on the phone with the doctor and had a televisit for two hours. That was Ugh. fun. Yeah. Ugh. But, um, but he had her the whole time. And, but I think just, he knew I was there in case he needed me, but right. I changed the stinky diaper right before I left and there's <laughs> plenty of food for her to snack on. She's a great eater. So anyway, we probably should go ahead and get into our topic. All right. And, but thanks to John for doing that. Yeah. 
yeah, well, he's having fun. She's, she's easy, lots of fun. And I just texted him and I said, all okay. And he said, perfect. So we are good. We're good. Okay. But what we're going to talk about today is friendship. And we're going to, I guess, go both ways and talk about the perils of friendship or the difficulties of friendship and the good things about friendship and the blessings. Mm -hmm. And um, so in particular, I think we'll, I'm sure we'll focus in on, on women's friendship and maybe what some of the things that we find challenging and some of the things that are are such a blessing. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about from little girlhood up to where we are now and how, I mean, it's all very similar, isn't it? Do you remember, did you ever hear anybody say, any of your little girlfriends say, I'll be your best friend if you Mm -hmm. did what she wanted you to do, or I'm not going to be your friend anymore. Mm -hmm. And we might not say that to each other anymore, but we might think it. (laughs) I always think back to sixth grade when Mm -hmm. um, I see grownups acting childish and immature, you know, about petty things with friendships. And I always the first thing that pops in my head is what is this sixth grade? Because it yeah. seems like in sixth grade, you'd have certain friends that you'd sit with at lunch and then somebody would get mad at somebody else. And then they go sit with somebody else at lunch. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. <laughs> so when I think about things like that, you know, immature friendships or friendships that aren't built on good foundations, you know, yeah. uh, back I to sixth grade, sixth grade, at least back then was pretty pivotal, pivotal. Mm-hmm. because I can remember, I remember in fifth grade, I had a little trio friendship going on and it was not the easiest thing because usually it always seemed like, you know, two were better friends and the other one kind of got ousted a little bit and then it would change around. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like sixth grade was kind of when things got a little bit more difficult and, I, and that would be what, 12 years old? Mm-hmm. But you were talking about last week, eight-year-olds having struggles with body image. And so I imagine that friendship issues start way, and I know they do because I've seen it way, way earlier than that. Mm -hmm. Who was your, your best friend when you were like grade school, like first through fifth grade, something like that. First through fifth grade, I actually, my, well, at that point we moved around a lot. Mm -hmm. So the friends that I can remember, I had a little friend that was a boy Mm-hmm. in first grade named Mike Johnson yeah. and um, he gave me a little necklace with a little mustard seed in it and um, and then I had I can really remember beyond that better because we moved around so much yeah. at that time yeah. but like you I had probably three or four solid friends mm-hmm. you know a little group of friends and then we had the little group of bullies <laughs> <laughs> Bully girls or bully boys? Bully girls. Yeah. Bully girls. Tough girls. Yeah. Well, my my youngest childhood friend that I can remember, and I still am in touch with her today, which is pretty rare, but it's Lynn Bennett. She was in mm-hmm. Corsicana. And one of the things she, if she gets wind of this, she might be embarrassed, but I remember so specifically in kindergarten and my, our kindergarten teacher was Mrs. Slaughter, Jeannie Slaughter, who is my mom's best friend. She was my kindergarten and first grade teacher, but Lynn and I were in her class and one day Lynn threw up in class. And I remember um, playing out on the playground after that happened and seeing my mom's car pull up and she went inside and she went and got Lynn and took her home. And I just remember that's my mom and Lynn's going on with my, you know, that's just a random thing that I remember, mm-hmm. you know, the important things when you're a kid, but, right, right. Um, but I was just trying to remember back to uh grade school and to things that were challenging with little friendships with little girls and, and, uh, 
I remember spending the night with people and it was all fun and games in the beginning, but by the time you get to go home, you're kind of sick of each other. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't do that these days. They don't want their kids to spend the night. And I understand where that's coming from. It's just a different, it's a different world, It is, but it's a shame. But um, grade school, middle school, I had a, a friend, her name was Kathy Thorne. And I just saw her not too long, not too long ago. And we used to make our own, we would rip up bed sheets and make our own casts. Like we pretend like we broke our arms. I don't know. Why do we remember uh, these dumb things? But that's, but that, you know, back uh, in the, in those days, she lived around the block from me. And so we could walk to each other's houses and we played outside all the time. We rode bikes and it was just, it's just a different time. We could go to the pack and sack, which was actually a second pack, just a little convenience store around the corner mm-hmm. and things like that. You can't really do much anymore, but then, you know, middle school hits and that's when I remember in particular when insecurity really, really hits hard, at least Mm -hmm. it did for me and not really exactly knowing where, where I'd fit in among all the other girls. And, and then high school comes along. And I think in high school, I, I kind of checked out because my dad was the Bible chair director at Southwest Texas. It used to be called Southwest Texas state university And so I was more involved with the college group when I was in high school Mm -hmm. and I just didn't really want to be in high school. I didn't want to do all the things that they were doing. I wasn't into a choir or band or anything like that. And so I was kind of, I probably held myself a little bit aloof, but there's something too that I thought of. Um, I am not a competitive person. You are, but, uh, but when it comes to friendship, and this is different. This is not like game for, uh, competition, but if if I feel like I have to compete for someone's friendship, I'm just going to step back. Mm-hmm. I, I don't do that because mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't want to do that. If I have to compete for your friendship and mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how to explain that, but you're nodding your head. So maybe you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I just don't want to do that. And then yeah. here we are as adults. And last week we were talking about think, you know, I guess I thought when I was a teenager that by the time I was a grown woman, that there wouldn't be any kind of friendship issues at all. You would just be friends with people, but there still are, you know, you have some that are closer, but there's still insecurity. Um, We still sometimes don't know where we stand with each other. We don't know what each other's thinking, not necessarily talking about you and I, although, you know, I'm sure we've, we have had those times too. Mm -hmm. And there's still clicks, you know, there's still groups of friends. But I, I don't, it doesn't bother me as much anymore because I feel like you just, you just have closer friend circles. Some people do, as mm-hmm. long as people aren't excluding others. But I think that there can be friendship circles who just enjoy doing things together, who will open their, their arms to other people as well. But um, so anyway, I was just kind of thinking about friendship and even social media friendship and how now we friend and unfriend. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you'll be scrolling through Facebook and come across someone that you, you see their name, add this friend. You think, I thought we were already friends. What happened? You know, so (laughs) obviously they unfriended me. Why? And why would anyone unfriend me? So there, there again, new, new reasons for insecurity. Yeah. Unfriend, unfollow. Yeah. If you don't want necessarily unfriend them, you can unfollow somebody just because you're tired of what they post yeah. and yeah. you don't want to see their face in your newsfeed anymore. Yeah. Unfriending is almost you. a statement, you know, because mm-hmm. you can unfollow without them knowing, but unfriending yeah. is almost like saying, I don't want to be friends with you. That's yeah. odd. 
the, the ways that we communicate those things. But so anyway, what does God say? What does the Bible say about friendship? And of course, did you think of any friendships in the Bible that, that you might've made a note of? I actually didn't even go that direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, this is what I love about these conversations because we don't talk about them ahead of time. Right. We just pick a topic. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking back, like you, I kind of went back into my earliest and forever best friend has been my sister. You know, she's, yeah. we were the only siblings and we were close in age. We we're only 15 months apart and we were always like a built-in really, best friend. Yeah. Built-in best friend. And we moved around a lot, you know, so we needed each other and we were always tight. We we're always close. Um, we fought occasionally, but, and now she may remember it differently, <laughs> but in my mind, we, didn't fight that much. And I can remember those fights. And even now we don't fight that much to the point that I can remember them, you know, but, and she's, um, she's a good friend to have because I was thinking about this the other day, she knows how to make you feel special. And she still does. She's still that way with her friends. Mm -hmm. And if you're going over there, it's, she does these little touches that make you feel special. And, and like, she she knows what you like, she knows what you like. She knows how to make how to make the time together refreshing and memorable. She's good at coming up with creative things to do together with her friends, you know. Because yeah. I feel like I'm always thinking, "Oh, I never think of stuff like that. That would have been fun, you know." And um, so she's always been there. And then I feel like as we kind of grew in our own lives, like we for the past ever, you know, our entire adult lives, we haven't lived close together anymore. Um, and she has her life and I have my life and I can kind of look at our friendship circles and see some of the differences, you know, how there's, um, personalities that like to have one really, really close best friend Mm -hmm. when they have to have a one tight bud. And if they don't, they feel like they're really missing something in life. And, and then some people like to have multiple best friends, you know, everybody's their best friend. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And then some people like to have just a bunch of, you know, just regular friends or acquaintances yeah. and, and, you know, and I, I think I fall more in that category. You know, I've got a few people in my life that will always be my best friends. I've got my sister, I've got my husband, my husband will always be my number one best friend. You know, I've got um, some, a couple of women that are really close to me mm-hmm. and, And I think that's where I fall. I don't feel like I need to be really tight, best friends with everybody. Um, I want to love everybody and I want everybody to love me, but I don't necessarily feel like I need to surround myself with my posse. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. where do you fall in that spectrum? I think, I think I've changed maybe over the years. And and when you Mm -hmm. were saying uh, the the ones who like to have that one best friend, Mm -hmm that probably was where I would have landed in my younger years. And some of that had to do with security. Like if you go into the lunchroom, you got to know who you're going to sit with, you know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of one of those things like um, if we had a field trip or something like that, and I didn't know who I was going to hang out with, I didn't want to go. It's just kind of a security thing or or an insecurity thing, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I was much more introverted then, much more shy and I've grown out of a lot of that, not, not all of it, but uh, I've grown out of a lot of it. And now I think, I think I'm like you, I have a few that are, 
that are close and then a lot, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of friends, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily a lot of people that I would feel comfortable talking on the phone with, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, we've, we laugh about how we're not big phone talkers, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I think maybe it's, I've seen things over the years about you've, you entrust someone with something and then something happens. And not that anything terrible has ever happened, mm-hmm. but you think, oh, they know this about me. And what are they going to do with that information? You're just not mm-hmm. sure if that's safe with them. And so has I that, tend to. Has that happened to you? Has somebody betrayed a confidence? Um, yeah, not a terrible thing. But I've also, I've also been accused of that, which was not true at all. And, mm-hmm. and that was very hurtful. So I'm careful to to think to myself, well, there must've been some reason, you know, if this happens, if someone betrays a confidence, maybe, you know, there, there may, there may be a reason why it happened. Maybe they were concerned for me, you know, I try not because it's happened to me on the other end. I try to think mm-hmm. kindly about why it may have happened on that side. But um, yeah, I, I, I guess best dear good friends are, are a treasure, you know, it's someone that you feel comfortable with and you feel, um, like you can say anything to, and, and you probably, I'm going to take the quote before you get to it. Cause you probably wrote it down too. <laughs> <laughs> Dinah Crake. Does that sound familiar? Mm-mm. Okay. She, and I've shared this on Facebook before, but this, it's a longer quote than I, that was really ugly of me, wasn't it? Now you're going to cut me out of your life as I, <laughs> going to steal the quote. Um, here's the, here's the quote in full. She said, but, oh, the blessing it is to have a friend to whom one can speak fearlessly on any subject with whom one's deepest, as well as one's most foolish thoughts come out simply and safely. Mm -hmm. Oh, the comfort, the inexpressible comfort of feeling safe with a person having neither to weigh thoughts nor measure words, but pouring them all right out just as they are chaff and grain together, certain that a faithful hand will take and sift them, keep what is worth keeping. And then with the breath of kindness, blow the rest away. Mm-hmm. And that just gives, it, it literally puts chills on my arms because I think, yeah, I love that one. Yeah. I just, there's one thing about just spilling your guts mm-hmm. and not, um, caring what comes out of your mouth. And I, I don't think I'm going to do ever do that because I, I always think it's, I'm responsible for the words that come out of my mouth. But if there's a time that I'm, I'm doubting myself or I'm hurting about something or I'm mad about something. And I know if I needed to, I could call you and I could just blah. Sometimes we say barf on each other Mm -hmm. and, and knowing that you had, I love that illustration, chaff and grain. You know, if you've ever mm-hmm. seen the two together in a hand, you just wave it around or blow on it and the chaff goes flying off and you're left with what's valuable. Mm-hmm. And that's what a good friend will do. And I'm, and, and those are not easy to come by friends yeah. that you feel that comfortable with. It's a real you blessing for you. It is to have someone that you can talk, you can speak freely, mm-hmm. speak freely and, and trust. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about the caveats, you know, when you're talking to somebody and you feel like you're always inserting those parenthetical, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that I'm not, I'm not, you know, and it's like, speak freely, just, it's okay. Yeah. That's, that's uh, invaluable. 
So that's probably where I would fall. You asked about where, you know, having a best friend or one best friend. Of course, John is that unquestionable best friend. And there was mm -hmm. a, a passage that I came across, um, married friendship, song, song of Solomon 516. I won't read the whole passage, but the line is, it says, he is wholly desirable. This is my beloved and this is my friend. Mm -hmm. And I love that because it's just something different about friendship with your husband because it's on a different level. Uh, it's on an intimate level, physical level, but yet that laughter level and that um, I know I can spill my guts and he knows me more than anybody else does. And so I know if I do spill my guts, he's going to call me on it or, you know, just be truthful about it. So that's mm -hmm. the best thing about that kind of friendship. Mm -hmm. And wasn't that want... statement made on the other side of their strife? It's in chapter five. So, yeah. Yeah. So true. after, after experiencing rejection and, you know, walking away and all of that went, she still spoke of him as her friend and, mm -hmm. and that's encouraging in relationships, whether it's your, you know, husband or a friend, it's not always going to be smooth sailing with your, whoever you're close to, right. Things are going to mm -hmm. happen. Misunderstandings and rejection or hurt feelings are going to happen, but you can still work through those and still consider each other a dear friend. Have you ever had to work through, um, a fractured friendship? Well, I had asked you if you had ever had somebody betray a confidence mm -hmm. and I have had that happen. I did. Yeah. I did share something pretty significant <laughs> mm -hmm. that uh, was not kept confidential. And um, that was startling, you know, unexpected. And, um, but we were able to, to work through it. I'm not saying that I'll share mm -hmm. a confidence with this person again but you know I don't I don't hold a grudge about it anymore and um but I've been I've been on the guilty side of hurting a friendship yeah. you know um of saying or doing something mm -hmm. that have that have hurt a friendship and I think you know maybe sometimes that weighs on you even more than being the recipient of it is yeah. knowing knowing the things that you've done to hurt somebody else or let them down or betray, betray them, you know, so. Well, how did you fix it? Just uh, apologies or yeah. without going into too, too much detail, I guess. Well, not all of them were fixed, but, but where I could, you know, humility, apology, repentance. Mm -hmm. It's a tough thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I was trying to look at some passages that um, about friendship. Of course, I thought of David and Jonathan in First Samuel 18 and how um, the soul of Jonathan was knit to David. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was neat. I thought about Daniel and his friends and how they experienced the tough um, being in a far country together. And yet they depended on, they had to have depended on one another and mm -hmm. supported one another through those tough times even Job's friends who get a bad rap. And I know that they didn't do everything right, but the very beginning in Job chapter two, it says that they came together to sympathize with Job. And that just, that that's wonderful mm -hmm. when they knew what Job had, what had happened to him and they went to sympathize with him. It says that on their way to see him, they wept loudly. They tore their robes. They threw dust in the air 
And then they sat for a whole week without any words, mm-hmm. a whole week without saying anything. And the level of sorrow that Job was in at the time. And, and so they must have read the room as the, as we say nowadays and realized that he just needed silence and he just needed mm-hmm. support. And I think we can learn a lot from that when, uh, when people need us to weep with them, that, that's what they went and did. Mm-hmm. And Job said, I didn't write the reference down, but he said for the despairing man, there should be kindness from his friend so that he does not forsake the fear of the almighty. And I think at that point, what he was saying was not, he was saying there should be kindness from his friend. He was answering some of their maybe unkindnesses, but, uh, but it's a simple thing to say. There should be kindness. You, you expect kindness from a friend. And, and sometimes we unwittingly say or do things that hurt friendship. And I think that that's, they may have been trying to offer comfort in a, in a way that didn't work out so well. It wasn't, wasn't wise. Then I looked at Psalm 15 in the passage that, that the question is asked, who may dwell on your holy hint and holy hint, hill and <laughs> tent together? Mm-hmm. Who may dwell on your holy hill and in your tent? Um, and one of those things is one who doesn't take up a reproach against his friend. And when I looked into that a little bit more, one who doesn't scorn his friend hmm. and casts no slur. And, you know, for those of us who have a little bit of sarcasm and teasing, mm-hmm. sometimes we, we do that. And I don't get, I'm assuming that this means serious slur, you know, a serious scorn, right. but sometimes that hurts when we tease mm-hmm. people who don't speak sarcasm or, you know, it's just not, not in their ability to understand. So I think that's pretty serious. We, we can't dwell with God if we take up reproaches against our, our friends, if we mm-hmm. um, blaspheme them or mm-hmm. uh, treat them badly in that way. Then Proverbs 17, nine says, and this is the new revised standard version says one who forgives an affront fosters friendship, but one who dwells on disputes will alienate a friend. And wow, is that yeah, not that's relevant? very practical, isn't it? So forgiveness is something that will foster friendship, mm-hmm. but Don't holding hold a grudge. A grudge. Mm-hmm. And wow, I've seen that. That really um, can destroy friendship. Mm-hmm. In that same chapter, verse 17 says, a friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. And then I didn't realize how much Proverbs 27 talked about friendship. Verses five is five and six say that open rebuke is better than concealed love goes on to say that faithful are the wounds of a friend. Verse nine, oil and perfume make the heart glad. And so a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. Mm -hmm. So in the way that something smells good and makes us uh, feel good, a good counsel from friend is the Mm -hmm. same way. Verse 14 of that chapter this is a, a warning. Don't bless your friend with a loud voice. <laughs> Don't shout at your friend in the morning. I didn't write the whole quote down. I just paraphrased it, but yeah. John sometimes is a, he's a morning person. And if he comes in and is too cheerful while I'm still trying to wake up, mm-hmm. that's not a good thing. And then pro- in Proverbs 27, 17 says that iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. And I love that too, because sometimes, and you and I've had this, you, you clash with different ideas or different, um, opinions or whatever. But when you, mm-hmm. when you do it with a common goal and a common aim of, of trying to make each other better, it sharpens you, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't dull your blade. It sharpens your blade. 
So I love that passage. Then I was thinking of some others. Um, Jesus called Judas friend immediately before he's, he was betrayed by him. And at least in Matthew's account where he, he says, friend, do what you've come to do. And I thought that was pretty significant. Yeah. And then uh, Paul's friends were able to come to minister to him in prison in Acts 24. And then he was allowed to go to his friends for care in, in chapter 27. So those are good things about friends that we read of in the Bible. And there's lots more than that. But then some not so good things. And jump in if you want to. I don't want to dominate the conversation. Good friends don't do that. <laughs> but uh, there was a, a passage talking about Joseph. And when they were jealous of how their father favored him. Mm -hmm. It says that they could not speak to him on friendly terms. And that word friendly comes from shalom. Oh. And you know what that means? That means mm -hmm. peace. Mm -hmm. So if they could not speak to him peacefully, and I think sometimes we, we don't speak on peaceful terms. That's not mm -hmm. a good thing. Uh, there's all these bad influences in scripture. John Adab was a bad friend to Amnon when he advised him what to do to Tamar. And then Herod and Pilate, you remember how they, they became friends after Jesus's trial. They were enemies before, but they became friends after because of what they shared in that, in that instance. So lots of things, um, Psalm 41 verse nine, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. And that's a, that's a hard thing. We feel betrayed by friends. Mm -hmm. And then Proverbs 16, 28, a slanderer separates friends. So you know, we always want to look at scripture and what we're talking about and friendship. So I wanted, wanted us to talk about how, what are some ways that we make friendship difficult? And you probably have some, some similar things that you've written down, but I'm curious, what do you think we do that makes friendship difficult? Um, so I was thinking about hindrances Yeah. and a couple of them you've already touched on just by the examples that you've mentioned from the word, you know, but, uh, one that I kind of lumped together was competition, comparison, or jealousy. Mm -hmm. When those things, I think women especially struggle with that, that whole, you know, green-eyed monster rears its ugly head and gets in there and we start comparing ourselves and it kind of takes the view off of the friendship and the relationship and um, the goodness that we can experience together when we bring those types of things into the picture. Um, Another one is betraying a confidence, which we've already talked about. Uh, and then I thought about inconsistency, you know, and that could cover a wide range of things. You know, if you're on again, off again, kind of mm -hmm. a friend or you're on again, off again in your friendliness, you know, yeah. sometimes you're warm and easy to be around and sometimes you're not, you're standoffish or in a mood or whatever. Yeah, so that confusing. kind of, yeah, you don't know which one you're going to get that day. You know, that's, that can hurt a friendship. Um, I thought of things like negativity or uh, always complaining about something. Yeah. Um, and then an emphasis on the superficial. Mm. You know, if that's, if that's all you have in that friendship, it, everything seems to be more about material things, shallow things. You know, there's just not going to be a lot of depth to that relationship either. Mm -hmm. So those were some of the specific hindrances that I came up with. You're talking about not knowing who you're going to, you know, for the people that 
act differently on different days and not knowing who who's going to show up today is it this mm -hmm. friend or this friend and you know mm -hmm. it's the same friend but you don't know and and I remember feeling that way at a certain point and then thinking of how God is always the same mm -hmm. you know he's he's never going to be moody he's never going to be hormonal I don't want to bring this down to you know a silly level when we're talking about God but um he's the ultimate friend mm -hmm. because we can always, he's never going to break a promise. Yeah. He's never going to be one way one day and then a different way the next day. What he says is always true. And so thinking about the characteristics of God uh, are important to put in, into our own lives when we are considering what kind of friend we are to other people. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's a hard thing. And, and we have to be understanding about it because we never know what's going on in each other's lives. And if we're good friends, then mm -hmm. we might say, I'm sorry, I'm so crabby today. You know, mm -hmm. there's just some stuff going on right now. And, and if it's somebody that we trust, we can maybe talk things out with and figure out how to get beyond that crabbiness. Yeah, but probably all deal. of these things we're all guilty of occasionally sure. or at some point. But if it's your character, to be this way in any of these areas, you know, it's, and, and then, and then you wonder why you don't have any friends, mm -hmm. you know. You said something about jealousy too, and I had written that one down. Um, but I was thinking more along the lines of possessiveness. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a good you know? one. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can be jealous of things that you're able to do or the mm -hmm. uh, places you went or whatever, but possessiveness I think is mm. a real friendship killer yeah it is. because people have other friends and have you ever noticed mm -hmm. this is curious to me that I can be really close to someone who is really close to someone else but I am not close at all to that someone else mm -hmm. isn't that weird because I would yeah. think that whoever you're friends with I'm going to be friends with and and I obviously can be friendly with but mm -hmm. There have been lots of situations in my life where a really close friend had another really close friend that I didn't, I just didn't click with. Mm -hmm. And that's just that's, funny to me. That's what keeps it fresh and interesting. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> How about but, neediness? Yeah. And I think that's kind of, to me, almost a sim synonym of possessiveness, mm -hmm. but, but maybe on a different level. Yeah. Neediness as in, I need you to pay attention to me all the time and not be mm -hmm. friends with anybody else. Mm -hmm. It's almost and, smothering, you know? Yeah. This is a little hard to talk about, isn't it? Because, mm -hmm. <laughs> because thinking, I, I don't want anyone out there to think, oh, is she thinking that about me? And <laughs> I honestly, I don't have any of those possessive needy friends. I don't, mm -hmm. at least if there are, they don't express that to me, but I see it in mm -hmm. others. And, and I think, um, ugh, that's just, you feel so they're bound to feel so stifled mm -hmm. and you can't say, Oh, we went and did this last night with so-and-so because they're going to get jealous or wonder why you didn't ask them to go. I mean, we, we laughed about this in our little pre-chat before, because mm -hmm. you said something about you had friends over or something. And I said, you mean you have another friend besides me? <laughs> and of course you do. And i you know, I want you to, and I know you want me to as well. So it's just that possessiveness can really, it's like pouting. 
Mm-hmm. What is it that's attractive about pouting? What exactly. is it about being possessive that's going to make me want to be around you more? Yeah, that's the ironic thing about it is yeah. if I'm being needy and whiny about your time with me and what I perceive as you not being there enough for me or giving me enough, then the ironic thing is that's going to make you not. <laughs> yeah. That's going to make you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Step back. Good talk. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So what does that look like? Maybe we should, you know, expound upon that a little bit more. So people who might have a problem with that know what they're doing. I I mean, what does it look like? It it looks like pouting to me. It does. And I really think probably at the root of it all is there's something else going on in that person's life. And, and in a way they're just, they need somebody to lash out on, you know, they Mm. need somebody to to put the responsibility on or blame or something. And maybe, you know, because they might say things like, um, I just don't feel like you were really there for me. Yeah. And you're looking back and going, uh, we had middle of the night phone calls, you know, we did this. I went there, I went to your house. I, you know, and you can think about Mm -hmm. how you feel like you were there for them. And it just makes you go, nothing I do is enough. It's not good enough. It's not, you know, to me, that's that kind of needy, always wanting everything you've got and for it to be all about them. Yeah. And insecurity. Mm -hmm. And and that's kind of where I think about the way I was, like we were talking about in middle school, always needing to know that I was going to have someone to sit by Mm -hmm. or be on the field trip with or, or whatever, just not wanting to be by myself or feel awkward. And So I think for people who have that one best friend that they are needy about or possessive about, um, it's a, it's a lack of security in who they are maybe, or Mm. they don't know how to be by themselves or they don't know how to talk to other people. And so it's time to learn to talk to other people Mm -hmm. and expand your horizons and see who else is out there. So yeah, possessiveness, I think is a real friendship killer. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I was thinking about was how we tend, especially as women to overthink or to rely on our intuition, Mm -hmm. which really sometimes is not intuition, but it's just, uh, it's overthinking. Like she didn't call me today. Is she mad at me? Did she, did I say something wrong or she was kind of rude or she was really kind of blunt on the phone or her text didn't sound normal. There were no emojis. Is she mad? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, some people, some people text exactly like they talk Mm -hmm. and you can read their texts and you can hear, at least I can in some and other people don't, Mm -hmm. they, they just don't sound the same. And so it's a struggle for me sometimes to think, okay, you know, cause I tend to use a lot of exclamation marks and emojis and stuff. And then there's mm-hmm. other people that don't at all. And I don't know what to do about that. So then I overthink <laughs> and then I have this feeling like uh, I did something wrong. So, am I in trouble? <laughs> yeah. So that's on me. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe sometimes there is something wrong, but a lot of times it's just on me to stop overthinking it. And, and you know what, maybe if there is something Maybe I just need to say, Hey, are you okay? Is Mm -hmm. everything okay? Did I, but not overdo that either, because if you're constantly having to answer someone, is everything okay? Did Mm -hmm. I, did I say something to hurt your feelings? Then you had to walk, walk on eggshells. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that goes along with don't be sensitive. You know, um, like you say, overthinking things or taking things personally or everything's a personal slight or, you know, mm -hmm. every yeah. nuance is being dissected. <laughs> yes. Ugh. So yeah. another way that we might make friendship difficult is that saying that we've talked about before that expectations are just premeditated resentments. Mm -hmm. So are our expectations too high of our friendship? So like, mm -hmm. to me, a perfect friendship, and I, that's, I shouldn't say it exactly that way, but you know what I mean, is someone that um, I'm comfortable with, that I can pick right up where I left off with, you know, you don't have to answer, why haven't you called? I haven't heard anything from you, or, or mm -hmm. you know, laying on some guilt, or another thing is uh, hidden messages. Hmm. you're yeah. not really saying what you mean you're trying to lead me down a path and I feel manipulated by that yeah I don't like that at all I know some people are just trying to spare feelings but I would so much rather just have a kind truth spoken mm -hmm. to me than to have to feel like I've been manipulated mm -hmm. and uh, so that may be a separate one from the, the expectations but yeah that's good but, you know, think about what, what kind of expectation you have. Is it, is my expectation of you different than yours of me as far as our friendship is concerned? And, you know, I guess we're treading in deep water because I think if we have to have this con conversation with people we're friends with, then it's tiresome, mm -hmm. you know, and to me, a friendship shouldn't be tiresome. Right. Yeah. So moodiness might be another one. Oh, um, good one. Yeah. <laughs> Again, the neediness, I wrote that one down. And then what about when we just take, 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 but we don't give? Mm -hmm. And that to me looks like someone who just never asks you about your day. They just want, they'll call and say, I'm so tired. I had this and this and this happened today. And then guess what so-and-so said to me? And then, you know, okay, good talk, bye. And you're like, I'm doing fine, thanks, you know? So that's a overdrawing a friendship account so those are the negative things the things mm -hmm. that I thought of that make friendship difficult and there's probably more than that I feel so. that way sometimes from my perspective with some friendships is um you know when you have some really talented friends that are sharing their talents with you in big ways I'm thinking about barn building and <laughs> you know, yeah. things like that and that's one of those instances where it's like what in the world can we possibly do in return? Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing. <laughs> but you really do. Uh, no, I don't. And even I thought, oh, we'll give them some fresh eggs. No, they've already, their sister has fresh eggs. Oh, we'll give them some garden produce. Oh, they're growing their own garden. Oh, well, you know, I feel like I'm like going, we have, you know, we will pray for you. <laughs> <laughs> which is the best thing but uh, but that it seems like that happens a lot we really need to develop some new skills because I feel like on in more than one on more than one occasion I have felt sort of upside down in a relationship like we've been the ones receiving 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 and not really returning in kind you know so <clears throat> but some people that's their love language is giving and doing things and I don't mm -hmm. think they want to be repaid. I mean, obviously you need to thank them and, but 
feeling upside down, Uh, do you feel like there has to be a level all the time and you never know what's in the future that, that they're going to need your help with or your support? I know what you're saying. I think about yeah. um, Alyssa's parents, Greg and Tina, the ones they came to our house and did all that the work cleanup. after the ice storm. And mm-hmm. for months, I've been trying to think, what can we do for them to express thanks? Yeah. And yeah. other than just thanking them and they're, you know, they don't, they're not the kind that love going out for a fancy meal, mm-hmm. which I love about them because I feel so comfortable with them. But, you know, so we can't send them this neat gift card to some fancy place. And so mm-hmm. instead of doing some something, I've done nothing. And I'm still trying to think of <laughs> something really cool to do for them. But yeah, yeah I, I guess I'm thinking that you don't always, you're the one that would say to me, don't steal my blessing. Just let me do this for you. Hmm. So sometimes you just, you just are the recipient, you know? Yeah. Yeah but Anyways, you still want to pay him back. You do. You do. Yeah. And I feel <laughs> okay, like there's so, some value there in that friendship. <laughs> yeah. Well, so getting over the negatives and, and, you know, we, we try to make this podcast something that makes you, makes people think about their own lives and be introspective and consider that maybe there might be some of those things on that list that, that we might be guilty of in our friendships, but we want to think positively too. And, mm-hmm. and so what, tell me what you think, what characteristics do you see in someone that has a lot of friends? If you think of someone that, you know, has a lot of friends, what is it about them that you think draws others to them? Mm -hmm. Well, I kind of, um, a quote that I found, so maybe you have this one down is a good friend laughs at your jokes when they're not so good and sympathizes with your problems when they're not so bad. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was thinking about the, you know how it's kind of trendy to keep people at arm's length? Yeah. This um, isolation and don't make me people today, you know, yeah. those kinds of sayings and thoughts. Yeah. And and really, science is finding out more and more how absolutely essential it is to have good relationships and good friendships for our health and our mental well being. And every time I hear about things that science discovers, it amazes me how many times we feel like God's been saying that all along, you know, all those proverbs that you pointed out had had to do with friendships and relationships. And I was looking at the um, love one another passages in the Bible. If um, you're trying to develop that good social circle and you're, maybe you have to, it's maybe it's not comfortable for you to open your heart and open your life to other people. How do you do that? What does that look like? And just looking at some of those one another passages, um, love one another, John 13, 34 and 35. And and 1 John 3, 18, he goes on to say, not just in word, Mm -hmm. but in deed, be devoted to one another, Romans 12, 10, honor one another above yourselves, Romans 12, 10, accept one another, Romans 15, 7, greet one another, Romans 16, 16, serve one another, Galatians 5, 13, bear with one another, mm. Ephesians 4, 2, and submit to one another, Ephesians 5, 21. And then, so to your question, what does that look like? You know, and how do you specifically do those things there? It's like a principle. And then you figure out the specifics. What does that look like? How do you do that? And I thought the same way you did is um, 
what is a person who has friends, what are they doing? Or maybe even the question would be, um, <clears throat> how do I want a friend to accept me? How do I want a friend to bear with me? And how do I want my friend to love me? And maybe asking it that way, I know what I want. You know, I know what that looks like for me specifically. And so that in turn can help me turn around and offer that to other people. Mm-hmm. And so to, to me, it kind of broke down into, and I'll just, they're kind of the opposites of what you mentioned for the, yeah. the friendship, you know, hindrances. The first one I thought it was build them up, lift them up. Yeah. Um, you know, when somebody leaves, having spent time with you, and somebody leaves your presence, you want them to feel better about themselves after they've spent time with you. Mm-hmm. Not worse, not beat down, not insecure. You know, I was um, that you've probably heard that quote, the difference between men and women is men insult each other, but they don't mean it. And women compliment each other, but they don't mean it. Mm-hmm. You know, and <laughs> I was thinking it's not that way in God's family, hopefully, mm-hmm. but with our friends, you know, um, when we get over ourselves and our jealousies and our insecurities, and we just focus on that person and building them up, lifting them up, making them feel good about themselves in genuine ways, not, you know, right. Not making not, things up, but yeah, being real. Not, yeah. I can't even think of the word I'm trying to say it when you like overly compliment somebody. What's that called? I don't know. It'll come to me later. Um, so build them Refusive. up and lift them up is, yeah, that's not the word I'm looking for, mm. but anyway it'll come to me later yeah what do do you have well I think of kindness just kindness Mm -hmm. and that's pretty simple I think it's harder for some people than for others for whatever reason I don't understand why kindness isn't doesn't come naturally but um and what does kindness look like is just caring what kind of day you had. Um, and I guess that would be a different one. Cause I wrote that separately, someone who cares and shows it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you can show that you care by, um, paying attention, knowing what's going on in someone's life and asking about it. And, uh, I, there was something that one of our sons and daughters-in-law received from a friend after they lost well, it was Jake and Liz that received from a friend after they lost one of their babies. And it was a picture, a drawn picture of a family with children. You could tell it was like a scene of heaven. Mm-hmm. And on the back, their friend had written, we see you more family of five. You know, this was after they lost another baby and just saying the words, we see you. Ooh. And I've heard other people say that I see you. Mm-hmm. I hear you. And that chokes me up to think about uh, mm-hmm. when all you have to say is I see you. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've, I've heard of other people just, that's all they have to say when they know you're struggling with something, when they know that you're, you're having difficulty in your life, you're, you've lost a, someone that you love or, mm-hmm. you know, just whatever's going on in your life. If someone just says, I see you, I hear you, I understand and that just means the world, just simple words like that, just mm-hmm. to, to know that someone cares about you and they show it. But uh, so kindness and being cared about someone that I think has a lot of friends, is just friendly. You know, there's that passage and I learned it in the King James and I forgot to look it up. 
to find out how else it's translated, but a man who has, would have friends must show himself friendly. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a saying that we taught to the boys. And I know that Jordan's taught it to, to his kids, but um, I went to find a friend and couldn't find one there. I went to be a friend and friends were everywhere. Yeah. I love that. So being a friend, you know, when you, when you, when you are friendly yourself and you show interest in others, I think that draws people to you. And that means being selfless. It means um, thinking more of others than you think of yourself, which is biblical in itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone that makes an effort to to be together, to talk, to text, to to be around you. And that one's a little tricky for me because, yeah, me too. You know, lifestyle things that we're here, there, we're busy, and so I am thankful for friends who don't hold me. Um, I won't say accountable. That's not the right word, but they're not mad at me if they don't hear from me every day or every other mm-hmm. day, every other week, whatever. Mm-hmm. If I have a friend that will just, you know, say, I'll say, Hey, and we hadn't talked in a while, what's going on. And they're not like, well, I haven't heard from you. <laughs> what's your name? You know, you've been yeah. gone for a while at worship and mm-hmm. they walk up with their hand out and I'm, I'm not saying I'm offended yeah. by this, but they say, yeah, cause I've done <laughs> that, you know, it's just a joke, but, but someone that has a lot of friends, I think she makes the effort them herself to be friendly and to reach out and to be together with people and, and to, to extend friendness or friendliness herself. And then I think of someone that has a lot of friends has a friend group. That's all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily someone who looks just like me lives in just the same demographic as me. Someone who uh, is, is, even, you know, a friend who is outside of our faith. And I'm not, I think it's important to have our best friends who, who will build us up and help us in our faith. But having friends outside of our faith gives us more contacts and more opportunities to share God's good news. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but, but even this is important. I think I have older women who have befriended me, you know, when I was a younger woman, Mm-hmm. And I, I think of those, those people that, and, and I still, I still think of them with fondness. Some of them have gone on, but like Carol Tisdale is a woman, she lives in Austin and she's not a whole lot older than me. She's probably 15 years older than me. But when I was a young mom, she was already raising teenagers, but she never did make me feel like I was in a different demographic than her. She always treated me like a peer. Ruth Locke was that way. There's just lots of women that uh, Mary Frances is one that she was probably 80 when we were friends, when I was 25 or 30 mm-hmm. and she was interested in me. She, she didn't treat me like a kid. She treated me like a peer. So I think of someone like that, they have friends from all different demographics. So that that's kind of my definition of someone who has a lot of friends and why characteristics. Yeah. I was thinking about things that would um, promote good friendship and nourish good friendships. And I probably top in the list for me is to pray together, mm-hmm. you know, not just praying for your friend, but praying with your friend. And some of my dearest friends I know are because of all those times that we've spent together in prayer. Yeah. And it's a real treasure to have that kind of friendship with somebody where in a situation, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, you might be talking to them and they'll just say, well, let's pray about it. And mm-hmm your head goes down and you pray in the moment. And, um, you know, I, I can think of a handful of names 
that through the years have been my praying friends and they're also my closest friends. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it forges, it really forges a friendship when you go to God together. I remember Um, one time you telling me Laura Warnes was one of those mm -hmm. people that she, that it it struck me because it it was probably pretty early in our friendship. And I remember you saying that, that Laura is the kind of person that if you say, would you pray for this and she would say let's do it right now and just would grab your hand and pray with you right then and I remember Mm -hmm. uh, last year at lectureship right before Shara Wilcox got up to to give her lesson I saw her and Aaron Sprouse in the middle of the fellowship hall where Shara was about to get up and talk with their head their foreheads touching praying together and I was so touched by that because I think Mm -hmm. that's exactly what we need because sometimes we say, yes, I'll pray for you. And then we forget. And do we, do we do it? So doing it in the moment that touches your heart and, and expresses to you that they care enough. They don't, they're not worried about people seeing them praying for whatever reason, they're going to do it for you right then. So that made an impression on me when you said that about Laura, and I've tried to be more like that. And you, <clears throat> Sorry, you don't ever forget it. Mm-hmm. You know, I can think back to those like Laura Warren's when uh, at our first son's wedding. And I was nervous and emotional and couldn't believe that day had come. And she came up in her sweet calmness and said, can we pray together? Mm-hmm. You know, she put her arm around me put her head down with me and prayed. Somebody took a picture of that. They saw yeah. us, they took a picture of that. So mm-hmm. I've got that forever. And I can think of other moments where, you know, I've, I shared something or said something and, you know, and they just said, let's pray together and put their arms on my shoulder or, or, you know, you just don't ever, ever forget something like that. And I think it's right. a beautiful, nourishing thing for a friendship and mm-hmm. um, be a good listener. You know, it doesn't always have to be about you and always talking about yourself. And mm-hmm. sometimes I catch myself after a conversation, you know, you walk away and you think, well, I did all the talking <laughs> <laughs> and that could be because the other person is so good at asking questions about you, mm-hmm. or it could be because you're just used to dominating the conversation and talking about yourself and forgetting to listen. And I know that, um, you know, that's an up and down thing. Yeah. It's a seesaw. It's, yeah. But I'm just talking about if on the whole, you're always talking about yourself and you're not ever listening, then mm-hmm. that's not good. Uh, do things together that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, we can get together for coffee. We can go out to lunch. We can have good conversation, but some of the sweetest things in friendships are if you've, if you're um, having a Bible study together, you're making visits together, you go on a mission trip together, you're serving somebody else in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Together. You're doing hospitality together. Um, There was a, uh, well, um, Warren and Carolyn Wilcox, Mm-hmm. in Denver invited us to join them they would do and I think uh the Stevens did that too they would have what they called dinner for eight and it'd be them and another couple that would take turns hosting it in their home each month and each couple would invite two people mm-hmm. so they would have dinner for eight and if the you know and and they just t- turns hosting and providing the meal and getting to know other people and they were so you could enjoy a friendship but you're also growing and being hospitable and getting to know other people through that. I love that idea because you have some level of comfort because there's a Mm -hmm. couple there that you know well and you're good friends with, but yet 
even even the fact that they get to invite someone and you get to invite someone it, it keeps things mixed up that's an awesome idea yeah that. and it was called dinner for eight but if a, if a couple had kids we never counted the children in the mm -hmm. number you know yeah. but mm -hmm. and and it was also since we're talking about it it was also sharing the meal so like if it was um carolyn's turn to have it at her house she'd say i'm doing mexican and i'm bringing this if you want to bring a side dish or dessert or you know so you're both you're sharing the homes, you're sharing the meals, and then you're sharing the getting to know people. And it's just a really oh, sweet way. You're sharing a friendship. Yeah, you're sharing a friendship. And mm. um, I I think I've talked or written about this before, but Michael and Lynn Height, you know, we were, we were acquaintances with them. We already liked them, but we became good friends with them after going on a mission trip together. Right. You know, and just experiencing those things. You've mentioned that before with your trips to Israel. You mm -hmm. know, one of your favorite things about it yeah. is just experiencing that is in develops these really special friendships. So I think sometimes if we just look for ways to do things together that really matter, mm -hmm. you know, eternal minded things, it, it forges good friendships. So I um, have written something similar that, that what draws you together are common interests and common experiences and common likes, but not necessarily it, it, like you and I, we have a lot of similar mm -hmm. likes and dislikes and some, you know, similar friends. We've done a lot of things together, things that matter, some things that don't matter, but there's a lot of personality traits that are not the same, mm -hmm. but because we have those other things, I think the things that were different, just like you said that last week, that quote about we're alike in all of the something ways, I can't remember what, what word, but, but we're different in all the enhancing ways. And yeah. so that is a, that's a good friendship quote. Yeah. Sorry, mm -hmm. I interrupted you. You were still going. Oh, that's okay. Um, step out of your comfort zone together. Mm -hmm. You know, a good friend is one that'll help you get out of Shove your comfort you. zone and yeah, a little, a little gentle push. <laughs> or not you know, so gentle. Yeah. And um, that grows a friendship, bringing out the best in each other. You know, have you ever had a friend that you just felt lousy after you spent time with them yes. because you felt like you got bogged down in their complaining or gossip or whining or bashing the church or bashing their husband or, or whatever, yeah. or it just felt um, too materialistic or, world, you know, there's just something about it that after you left, you just yeah. didn't feel that great. So, so Yeah. yeah bring out the best in each other and look for ways to do that when you're together. Um, being honest with each other, you know, that that's a, that's a level changer, yeah. I think. And a friend, you can have a lot of good friends, but once you've had a friend that will say the hard things mm -hmm. and you know, if you ask them full on, they will tell you the truth, even though if it's uncomfortable for them to do that, you know, that's, that really grows a friendship. And then I thought about sharing that friendship with others. I think that kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, but I was thinking about how fun it is. You might have a really good friend, um, but bring in another friend mm -hmm. to that friendship. You know, maybe not every time you get together, but sometimes you, when you yeah. get together, have a three or four or five or six girl lunch or, you know, um, have some friends over for games and, and bring in those other friends just to grow it and to share mm -hmm. that friendship. I think other people enjoy that. Yeah. And share that blessing with other people, um, care about their family. When we moved here, one of the things that I was a little bit anxious about was moving to Bowling Green, Kentucky was our very first move without children. 
They were already all grown and gone. And in my mind, leaving Denver meant leaving behind memories and coming to a place where I had zero memories with anybody about my own children. Mm, And that that was huge for me because I thought those are precious memories and those friendships and that church family that I'd been with, they watched my children grow up and they experienced those memories together. And I could talk to any of them about that. And so I was leaving all that and coming into a congregation that didn't know my kids, didn't know any of my memories, didn't know. And if I were to mention their names, they wouldn't know anything about them. Right. And, and I thought this is going to be a little bit painful. But I was so amazed at how um, I feel like Lehman Avenue did such a good job of not just loving us, but intentionally wanting to get to know our grown sons. And that had to be intentional. Yeah, before they ever even met them. Mm -hmm. You know, they were asking very specific questions about them. They were trying to remember their names. And, you know, and they would say, now this is the son who, you know, and you know, and then when they would come up and visit, they talk to them and get to know them. And so before, before they actually started trickling into the area and moving here, I felt like they put forward such genuine interest in getting to know my family. Mm-hmm. And that touched my heart and made me feel close to them, you yeah. know, and you're real good about that. When we pray together, you pray for my boys by name and their wives and their children and And that always makes me feel good. That always touches my heart that you care about my family. Well, you know, the the passage that says we love because he first loved us Mm -hmm. makes me think of that because you can't help but love someone who loves your family. Right. You know, when you, when you express love for someone that your friend loves, Mm -hmm. it just draws you to them. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to do it in insincerely, but really genuinely when we, we know that God loves us, we know that the Lord loves us and we can't help but love him because he loves us. And, and it's the the same thing is true for people that we love. When we Mm -hmm. love the ones that our friends love, it just makes a difference. Well, it just makes you grin. You know, Mm -hmm. when, when you hear somebody speaking highly of your family, or you find out that they did something for a different member of your family that you didn't ask them to, or Mm -hmm. didn't even have anything to do with, they just did it. You know, it just goes straight to your heart. You know, it makes you smile and just touches you in all the important deep places. (laughs) Well, it indicates to you that, that you matter to them and Mm -hmm. what matters to you matters to them. Exactly. And and that, that just draws you to people. Yeah. And then the last one I had was, um, push them toward their goals. So kind of like helping somebody step out of their comfort zone. But you know, when you have, I have so many things, you have these things and you're like, one day I'm going to do this. One day I'm going to do this. One day I'm going to do this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you can just step in and say, "Um, so when were you starting that, you know, or have you already gotten the, or do you want me to come over and help you do the first step? You know, and Mm -hmm. just if, if somebody's talking about a goal or a dream or an aspiration, you know, maybe there's a specific way that you can help them achieve that or reach that or get started mm-hmm. on the way. You You've know? done that for me. You've oh. done all those things for me. Oh, thanks. Well, it's funny that uh, I just noticed that I got a text from Lynn. She always sends me her Wordle. We, we mm-hmm. share each other's Wordle scores every day, but it reminded me of something when we first came to Denver mm-hmm. and uh, you and I were already friends but I didn't really know anybody else there. 
few people, you know, surface knew, had met them, I guess, just acquaintances. But I remember sitting at that banquet. It was the the lectureship banquet okay. when we still had it out at the whatever, wherever it used mm-hmm. to be. And we sat across the table from Michael and Lynn, and I can't remember who was on the other side, but I remember Lynn looking at me like, kind of just kind of checking me out. And I'm pretty (laughs) sure it was, in fact, I'm certain it was just my imagination. But I remember thinking to myself, I wonder if she's a good friend of Lynn's and she's wondering if I'm going to swoop in here and try to steal all of your attention and time. And I think I even asked you the next day if y'all were good friends and you said, yeah, we are. And it's funny because Lynn now is one of my dearest friends. Mm -hmm. And because we've had those, what you're talking about, shared experiences and Mm -hmm. things that we have in common and even things that we don't have in common, but because we've shared important things together, we are now good friends. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's just funny. And it's fun to me sometimes to watch someone walk in the door, especially in the kind of work that we do with, with uh, students at the Institute in Denver, and we've done with Southwest in Austin and with McCarty Student Center back years ago. You never know who is going to walk in the door, and you look at them and think, you could never think, I'm going to be intimately involved with this family. You know, Mm -hmm. we're going to know each other well, and we're going to, we're going to spend eternity with these people, Lord willing. And it's just fun to, when the students walk in, to think, I'm going to have a relationship with them. And we're going to get to know each other. We're going to love one another. And and I'm going to do whatever I can to make that happen. So that's just, to me, one of the biggest blessings, knowing that God, people walk in and out of our lives all the time, but we don't have to let them walk out without a relationship with us. You know, we mm. could do what we can like to, build, to build that relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, some of the things that I, um, what do I appreciate in, in friendship, kind of similar to what you were saying, they're a lot the same. But what makes me know that I am, uh, that someone cares about me is feeling, feeling the care, you know, maybe someone checks in if they know, you know, like you, you texted and asked, how's Emmy, Mm -hmm. just knowing that you care about things that are important to me. That's a, that's, that's important. That makes you know that you have a good friend. Forgiveness is a huge thing. We haven't Mm -hmm. talked a whole lot about this, but um, misunderstandings are going to happen. Yeah just it's inevitable Mm -hmm. for whatever reason uh we're going to have misunderstandings we're going to hurt each other's feelings i'm going to maybe um assume something from something that you said or did or didn't do and so um whether or not we talk about it at whatever point you know maybe maybe we skirt around it Mm -hmm. and say yeah i know i know that that's that was hurtful and and, and that was a bad day. I'm sorry, you know, mm-hmm. forgiveness and, and genuinely forgiving one another. Sometimes I don't know what I've done that has been offensive to you, but I know that like that quote, you're going to blow the chaff away and keep the grain. So yeah. forgiveness is huge. I, I think also feeling and hearing and seeing and knowing that someone wants to be with me because we can be insecure do they really want to hang out with me? You know, I know I am sometimes I'm like, it just makes me feel so good when someone says, let's go do something together, or I can't wait to see you. Or mm-hmm. it just makes me feel valued and makes me feel like a friend. And when you have to wonder or worry, do they really want to be with me? Then yeah. that's, 
Or did they feel like they had to say yes? Yeah. (laughs) And that's hard. Yeah. So I think maybe there's a way that we can really be genuine in how we um, talk to people and how we Mm -hmm. say, it's just been really good to be with you or Mm -hmm. I love you. And thanks for talking to me. You know, there's just ways that we can express it so that someone can see it and feel it and just really Mm -hmm. know how we feel about them. And then someone that cries with me or laughs with me, or (laughs) we've done a lot of that. You know, we, we share tears together because, um, what hurts you hurts me and what makes me happy makes you happy. And that just, that's just something that makes a genuine friendship Mm -hmm. and we have to open up and be genuine and share with one another to make that happen. But I think weeping together and rejoicing together is, is something that's a mark of true friendship genuineness and you touched on this too just um in a world where we don't know who we can trust and you know you look around and everyone's throwing their opinions out and social media you're gonna hear all kinds of opinions but um but I don't know that I trust them and I'm pretty much don't most of the time but when I you can feel it when someone's genuine with me when when they lower the defenses and and open up their heart and just say it, it, I guess it makes me feel like they trust me mm-hmm. and for people that I know I can trust, you know, that's just something that's very valuable. And then, like you said, I wrote not an echo chamber. So you said being honest, <laughs> Yeah, you know, we can yeah. have all kinds of people that we're, they'll echo back whatever we want them to say, but someone mm-hmm. that will tell you, call you out and, and do it in a kind way is that's worth more than gold. Someone Mm -hmm. that will do that. Faithful are the wounds of a friend when, Mm -hmm. when it's for our best interests. So, um, I know we've been going for more than an hour, an hour Mm -hmm. and 15 by now, and there's no telling what's going on at my house with Libby. So we probably should (laughs) draw it to a close, but I was just thinking about Romans 12 and loving one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another and showing love. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, you can start there. You can end there with friendship. When, when we love one another with that brotherly love and it, it makes, if it wasn't there a cartoon character that well, maybe it was the buzzards on the branch, what would you like to do? What would you like to do? No, what would you like to do? No, what would you like to do? You know, sometimes that's wearisome, but, uh, mm-hmm. but we're trying, we're just trying to show honor to one another. And, and, uh, and I love that. So And I love you as a friend and I'm so thankful for friendship. It's a blessing from God and thankful for so many other friends that God has put in our life. And, and I wouldn't trade for the friends that we have. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way. I'm very grateful for you. And I think that if there is somebody listening that feels like they don't have close friends or good friends, the, the passage that you brought out at the end is just perfect. You know, um, look for those ways to love and honor and respect others and then let God open the door to the friendships because they'll just happen. Oh. He'll bring them into your life, I think. Yeah. And it's kind of a recipe for friendship. When you go down mm-hmm. further in the chapter, verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with yeah. those who weep, live in harmony with one another. <laughs> so, you know, trying to be at peace, don't be haughty, associate with the lowly. Somebody you may think is, is lowly. We were just thinking, talking about someone last night who I 
when I think of the least of these, when you do something for the least of these, you're doing it for the Lord. Mm-hmm. So don't claim to be wiser than you are. Don't repay evil with evil. Be honorable in the sight of all. Soften hearts by doing good. I've really paraphrased that because that mm-hmm. heat coals of fire, but but do good to people. So that's mm-hmm. just that Romans 12 is a great recipe for friendship the, building. The friendship manual. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and if and those of you out there listening, if you if you need help with friendship, reach out, you know, mm-hmm. just ask and and be a friend and and say what can I how can I be a better friend to you I think we could just ask each other how can I be a better friend to you yeah and Um, I know a good group on Facebook where you could join and just have a bunch of instant friends yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) it's called looking up with Kathy and Carla that's right all right so we're going to do a random question this week Mm -hmm. and that random question is I'm gonna let you answer first what is your most irrational fear So when you said that was going to be the random question, I didn't think I had one because I only, I really only have a couple of fears that in my mind are legitimate. Mm -hmm. So I had to, sorry, I had to call my husband. (laughs) Let him tell you. Yeah. And I asked him and he goes, oh, that's easy. (laughs) I I could think of a couple. (laughs) Oh, what do you think of? Well, I don't know if it's a fear, but I, I think of your distaste for hair. Oh yeah. Gross. That's disgusting. <laughs> Maybe that's an irrational grossness. That's disgusting. It okay. In your food. Yeah. Or in the sink or just Ooh. anywhere. Yeah. It, you don't yeah. Like it's gross. I don't like hair. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, um, it's cockroaches. Okay. I, that's, that's really my number one fear in life mm-hmm. is cockroaches. And so I debated him and I said, that's not an irrational fear. That's a legitimate fear. <laughs> and he said, an irrational fear is your reaction in relation to the actual thing and what it can or can't do, you know? And Uh he said, your reaction is irrational. And so I guess that's true because I mean, I don't, I haven't seen any at all since we've been in Kentucky, but Uh that's just my biggest fear on earth. And if I ever see one, um, I will, you know, I just die of a heart attack and I guess that's irrational. But Neil reminded me that when, we went to college in Alabama and there were those great big cockroaches on the sidewalk, mm-hmm. you know, and I was, I just knew they were coming after me personally, you know, their little beady eyes had targeted me. <laughs> and, and then he said pretty much bugs in general, because there have been moments, you know, in various places where something's landed on me. And I guess I just kind of spaz uh-huh. or, you know, and look ridiculous. Yeah. Some of my mm-hmm. most embarrassing, ridiculous moments have involved bugs. So mm-hmm. That's fine. Cockroaches. What's yours? Incidentally, I have the executioner, but I haven't had the guts <laughs> to go after a wasp with, with it because they oh. have to get kind of close to it. And what uh, if I miss and you it won't. gets mad at me? You won't because the racket's this big and it's instant electricity. So it's not like it's just going to, you know, bounce off and get mad and come after you. I've so, never had, I've never had one do that. Well, you might have better aim than me. Maybe that's another irrational fear. So there was a, a, a nest of red wasps. And if you are from the South, you know that those are mean dudes. Mm-hmm. And he tried to stir them up so he could swat one with that thing. And they were so busy building their nest. He couldn't get them to pay attention to him. You're kidding. So I know I, that was, that was bizarre. So anyway, I'm still huh. waiting for the perfect opportunity to have you, there was a video also that someone who sent that to me I'm gonna have to find it 
oh no I still don't remember anyway it was someone that had two of them and it was uh like a bunch of moths I guess coming at the oh, light and he was doing this gross. so it was like zap 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 so I told her I was Holly Dugan's pretty sure Holly Deaver she sent it to me and uh so I told her now I'm gonna have to get another one so we can we can play with that <laughs> okay irrational fear mm-hmm. mine is I think mine's rational too, but probably not. It's claustrophobia Mm -hmm. and it's weird, weird things about, you know, not just Hezekiah's tunnel type claustrophobia, but like already panicking over the thought that I might someday have to have an MRI because I don't know what Mm -hmm. I would do if I had to get pushed into that tube. And it just, it makes my heart start pounding right now. It's faster Mm -hmm. because I'm thinking about if just being like having that thing right over my face and tight and not being able to immediately get out. I was in a suburban one time in the back row of a suburban, the third row bench seat. And Mm -hmm. I was in the middle, someone on either side of me, three people in front of me. And then, you know, two people in the front or maybe even three, if it was a bench seat Mm -hmm. and panicking because it would, I couldn't get out quickly. I just couldn't, I knew if it would be a major ordeal for the whole second bench to have to empty out before I could get out. And I just had to say, I can't ride back here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to let me ride somewhere else or I'll take my own car. And I remember the first time I ever felt it, I was pregnant with Jordan and and it was John's graduation. And this is weird because it was in a wide open space. It was in, in the Coliseum where he had his graduation. And I was like, six weeks pregnant. So I was morning sickness and I had 12 people down this way and 12 people down that way. And, you know, you have this much knee room in front of you. And I thought Mm -hmm. if I get sick, I can't get out. I'm going to throw up on the person in front of me. And so I just immediately had that claustrophobic feeling, but I've had it trying to put a dress on. (laughs) It's too tight and you should not get that dress. If it, if you get claustrophobia, putting it on. Yeah. It's just weird. And Try I don't want to take off it. a sports bra. Yeah. <laughs> when you're sweaty, <laughs> just cut it off. Just put some a pair of scissors. And the longer it, it takes, the more frantic you get. It's like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hair gets tangled in it and your arms are all up in the air. Yeah. Not pretty. So yeah, that would be, that's my most irrational fear. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Anyway. I'm, I'm sorry. You have that one though. That'd be hard. Yeah. Well, it's silly because I know you can talk yourself out of some stuff, but I think I talked myself into it and I can't get a hold of it. I can't mm-hmm. control it mm-hmm. so far. Maybe someday. That'd be rough. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Good talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and just uh, a reminder mm-hmm. for those of you who are listening to um, send us your questions for the next couple of weeks. And we'll, we'll talk about those things on the first episode of season two. Yeah. So this is the end of season one. Yes. This is what been episode a great, 22. Yes. This has been a great season. It has. We have loved it, enjoyed it. And I'm so mm-hmm. thankful that we've been able to do it and God has blessed it. And we pray that we've encouraged you and we pray that we've, we have pointed you to God and we are thankful for friendship in all areas of our lives with each other, with all of you out there, with those mm-hmm. in our church family and our, our physical families. So we're just, just grateful in so many ways. So yes. And we're thankful for the encouragement and support that you ladies as listeners have been giving to us. Yes, definitely. We really appreciate that. 
Mm -hmm. It really is a, it's encouraging. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, until next season. Until next season. Keep looking up. Keep looking up. <laughs> Love you. Love you too. Talk to you later.